I'm Nina Samuels, and apparently you have nothing better to do with your time, so you are listening to the Holy Shoot podcast. Friends beyond the binary, welcome to episode 7 of the Holy Shoot Wrestling Challenge. My name is Sam and I will be your host for this evening. Regular listeners will be wondering, where's Brod? Why has he gone away? Uh, the truth is, he failed a drugs test again. He hadn't taken enough drugs and so we had to give him a little break to go away down to Bolivia to do some serious business cocaine. Uh, he'll be coming back when he's blown his heart out or his lungs and hopefully he'll be better for it. Uh, I've actually been away for the past few weeks uh, in the US on excursion, but now I'm back like the prodigal son, ready to listen to two blokes getting mad about wrestling for about an hour, and I hope you are too. Uh, For both our previous and our new listeners, we've actually changed the format of this podcast recently, although most of you should probably know by now, but instead of a weekly roundup, we thought we would become a weekly debate show. So how does that bullshit work then? Uh, basically, it's a quiz show where the arguments and not your over op- overall opinion wins. Uh, what that means is, even if you're arguing something that doesn't make a great deal of sense, as long as you argue it well and back yourself up with facts and evidence, you'll get the, p- the point. Uh, each week, our guests will go head-to-head over five tough wrestling-related questions, with the strongest arguer being awarded a point for each round by me, Sam. At the end of the round, uh, at the end of the five questions, we'll then have a three-count round. The three-count round will be where the two competitors are forced betwi- to pick between one of two options and will have 30 seconds to say why their option is best. It'll be a speedfire round, so they might not get the answer they planned for. Uh, and again, it's not what they choose, but their arguments that win. Simple? Simple. Got it? Got it. Right. Uh, the winner will be whoever has most points at the end, obviously, like every panel game ever. Uh, And in the event of a tie after eight rounds, we will go to a tiebreaker question. Right. The following contest is scheduled for one fall. One fall. Thanks. And it is a singles match. Introducing first, in the red corner, from Collendale, northwest London, weighing under 205 pounds, that's 14.6 stone for anyone who measures weight in normal uh, measures, the charismatic Chen! <laughs> the crowd goes wild. <laughs> all, all of them. And in the blue corner, from Sunderland, weighing in at 14 stone, he's a constant disappointment to his parents and a disgrace to humanity in general. It's Mike! I do have a sister who's more of a disappointment, so I would like to point this out. <laughs> I couldn't, I, after, I, I mean, I've been listening to the podcast, right? So after the, the shit you've been saying about me, I couldn't <laughs> let that opportunity go without, without saying something. Um, so beyond that, how, how's everybody doing on this wonderful evening? I'm good, you know. I thought for once I'll, I will be the judge giving out the points. But, you know, and like you said, Rod felt his bloody drug test. Such so un so unreliable. Some people, you know. Well, you can lord, lead a horse to cocaine, <laughs> but you you can't make them take it. Um, 
Yeah, I, I thought actually Jason was going to be a contestant this week, but having spent the last two weeks saying how good John Cena is, I guess it's not you can't see him, but we actually can't hear him. Well, uh, Jason has the opposite problem, uh, and that's that he's been doing too many drugs. So his voice sounds like, or his vocal cords are made out of kind of sandpaper and horse shit. So probably uh, we how can really you tell on the podcast? Uh, he sent us a video uh, recording earlier on to the, I, I, to the group chat. I, I heard no difference to normal. He's, he said, oh, "This is why I can't do the podcast tonight." I like thought that. he was. Just, I thought he was just trying to do a Darth Vader impression. Oh no, no! Uh, his Darth Vader impression is much worse than that. <laughs> he is not my father. He, he's not my father. No. He might be my sister. <laughs> um. So yeah, Mike, have you had a, a good week since since the triple threat last week? You. You won, didn't you, if I, I recall? I came second in dubious oh. circumstances. I was more focused on an upcoming rivalry. Um, of course. So my my record is slightly in the negative, so I'm quite happy to see my opponent today is Chen, so I can at least even things up. <laughs> <laughs> and I, of course, am going to be a completely impartial judge, listeners. Um, so we'll, we'll see. I guess Chen, wrestling Chen, or not wrestling, uh, I guess, what what do we call this? Arguing with? Debating Chen? I don't know. The word. Uh, uh, having an argument with Chen on this show is like having a match against Heath Slater. Like, you kind of know you're going to win. It's like, <laughs> we give him a good intro and everything, but he's still not going anywhere. But times have changed. Things have changed. I've got kids now. Okay. Oh yeah. <laughs> so today is. Oh no, wait. I did. I get the. Did I get the gimmick? The shit gimmick wrestler mixed up. Who's the one that had like the million billion losing streak? Oh, Kurt Curtis Hawkins. Hawkins. Curtis Hawkins. That's who I was thinking of then. Replace what I just said. Do that joke again in your heads, but with Curtis Hawkins. Is it Curtis Hawkins or Kurt Hawkins? I think it's. Isn't I think. It Kurt? I think Heath Slater actually works. So. Stick oh, with well, that. Yeah, in, in that in that case, just imagine the same joke and imagine it again, and then you can laugh twice. Listen, listen, listen. If if wrestling has taught us anything, you can have a long losing streak like Jinder Mahal, but then one day you will win the title. Okay. <laughs> That's true. Today could be your day, Chen. This could be the day it it, it turns around. Uh, so stay tuned, listener. Uh, we'll probably play an advert or something now. I don't know. I'm editing the podcast for the first time this week too, so I can basically put whatever I like in. Uh, so who knows what's coming up next? Here it is. This podcast is affiliated with the WWL Meetup Group. WWL or Watch Wrestling London get together with many fans to watch pay-per-view replays on Monday nights and attend live events across London, be it WWE, Progress, Rev Pro, Eve and many more. It's a great way to watch wrestling with friendly people and all are welcome to join. You can find out more at watchwrestling.london or just Google Watch Wrestling London and you'll find the Meetup page. Welcome back. Uh, today, we are going to focus our five questions on SmackDown, obviously, because this Friday, it's a very exciting event. Instead of it being on Tuesday, they're going to do it on Friday. It's going to be way more exciting because it's a different day of the week, and that's important. Uh, yeah, so we've got five questions focused on SmackDown. Obviously, also with Hell in a Cell coming up this Sunday as well. 
uh, we've got the speed round, uh, which is all Hell in a Cell focused. We decided to do it that way around because WWE don't give a shit about Hell in a Cell, and so nor do we. So, with that aside, here we go. Uh, question one, gentlemen. What is the best match in SmackDown history? Uh, and we'll start with Chen. Well, in my opinion, the best match in SmackDown history was the third TLC match. That was the Dudleys versus the Hardys versus Edge and Christian and versus um, Chris Jericho and Chris Benoit. Okay. Uh, have you got any reason for that? Oh, is, is that the end of your argument? Oh, I have to give a reason. Well, okay. Well, you're arguing. <laughs> <laughs> give me something to attack, please. Yeah, come on. So, obviously, if no one remembers why this happened, the storyline was um, Chris Jericho and Benoit became the number one contenders to win, to face Triple H and Austin, who were in a faction at the time, and they were the tag team champions. That was the famous night where Triple H tore his quad and was out for like six months, eight months. And yeah, Jericho and Benoit captured the titles. The next day on SmackDown, Vince comes out and says Benoit and Jericho will be facing in this the rest of the tag team division, the, the best of the time, the Dudleys, the Hardys and Edge and Christian in a TLC match. And I remember... The crowd in that arena just erupted. Like, oh my god, they're getting a pay-per-view match. A WrestleMania match on SmackDown. I was ecstatic. And I was like 11 years old at the time. And it was one... And I think it it is one of the best TLC matches ever. But it's also considered one of the forgotten TLCs because it included Benoit. But the amount of spots they had in that match... Benoit taking so many chair shots to the ribs. It was just crazy. Cool. Well, all right. That's a little bit more information than you gave us in, in, in the first instance. Cool. So, uh, Mike, let's hear from you then. What was the best match in SmackDown history? I think the best match in SmackDown history is the Iron Man match between Lesnar and Angle. Um, I think that with it being the sixth ever Iron Man match, the lot of people wouldn't know. It was actually the first one to be on free TV, go 60 minutes, whereas normally you would get a 30-minute one on on something like SmackDown or a, a live show. This went 60 minutes, and unlike everything that's happened before, you didn't have to wait 50, 60 minutes for the first fall. You got something after 10 minutes with Lesnar deliberately getting DQ to soften up the opponent, and the story started from there. You had so many stories just in one match. A um, lot of emotion, an amazing match between two competitors that Angle has said is his favourite match of all time. Wow, that's high praise from Big Kurt there. So, uh, yeah, let's go at it then, tear each other apart. Listen, okay. listen. Go. Brock Lesnar and Kurt Gr- uh, had great chemistry, but by then, when the Iron Man match came, that was like their fifth match. They faced off against each other, whereas my match was all fresh. Yeah, technically you could have said three of the other tag teams were in the TLC, but it was unexpected at the time, and this is pushing two new main eventers at the time. Okay, this I'll elevated let you throw a stat Benoit. To me here. And, if if yeah. that's their fifth match, I'd love you to name the four before that because you've you've lost me. The WrestleMania match. Yes. Now name another. They had the match. Uh, what pay- I forgot the pay per view, but it had Big Show included in a triple threat. 
Oh, we're coming in multi-man. Okay. Okay. So, so somebody pushing a what eight-person Iron Man match is now pulling in multi-mans. It definitely wasn't their and, fifth match, and, and it was possibly the best match of that of their streak. And considering how well they worked together, to say it's the best match, and you, you just go with the emotion. I mean, everyone knows this match. Everyone sees how good it was. Kurt Angle's sister passed away the night before. He was dedicating the match in his mind to her. He was going through that, and we had no idea what he was going through. We just saw him come out and put on that amazing performance. It was two men at their prime doing the doing an amazing, incredible performance. You have eight men doing a spot fest. And there's lots of people who can do a spot fest. There's nothing emotional. It happened, it ended, it didn't really have that much history to it. You know, you look back, it's a it's a ladder match. There's nothing special. Uh, there was a lot of emotion going into this match. Because you, were, because you were 11. <laughs> right. In my mind, there was so much emotion going into it. The, the top main star, Triple H, he tore his quad. So that just turned WWE's plans, main storylines, throughout the window. They didn't know what they were going to do. They, didn't, they obviously were doing a great thing with the power mantra with Austin and Triple H. But now the focus suddenly shifted from them two to two new superstars, Jericho and Benoit, who eventually become, I would say, that was the start of their main event push in the company. And that's what makes it the best match. I think we're talking it wasn't about just the, the best match. match. It wasn't just, just the best match, but no one, it had the element of surprise. No one knew what to expect. No one expected a TLC match. It's not like you went, some those people in the crowd went to SmackDown thinking, oh, we're probably going to have a tag match at SmackDown after all or something like that. No, they had a TLC match. Well, on mine, they went there thinking, oh, we'll just have a tag match, and they got a 60-minute Iron Man I'm match. I'm pretty sure the Iron Man match was advertised, like, the previous week. They announced it. Are, are you sure? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. I don't think many people would have gone along for a two, what turned out to be a two-match show, really. I think yeah. it was on the night. They announced they're going to do a 60-minute Ironman match, which was pretty shocking for the time. And then we all expected a, a long, drawn-out wrestling clinic. And instead, after 10 I'm... minutes, we've got chair shots, we've got DQs, we've got 1-0, then we've got 2-0, then we've got 2-1. You know, we end up with 5-4 that night. That... And Yeah, but in my match, you also had chair shots, people going through tables, people going yeah. through... People getting can, slammed can, on ladders. Can, can you and my the match was also of your match. my match. Oh yeah, I can, I can, I can tell you. Tell me the last. The ladder seconds. was in the ring. Benoit was slowly well, it, climbing it, it to be. the top. He was slowly climbing to the top, holding yeah. his ribs, holding his ribs. So he exactly the same as WrestleMania 21. Okay. okay. All right. He slowly yeah. takes the title off, and then he takes the other title off. Of the brass ring or whatever that's ha- what you call it, and everyone was started cheering. So are you saying that? And that match the, also the, went for the, an hour. Are you saying, oh my god, that a TLC match ended exactly the same as every other TLC match in history? Is that what you're telling me? Yeah. He but, climbed the ladder and but, he took both belts off. How unique and how spectacular! I'm judging by the crowd. No reaction. wonder I can't remember okay. this moment. Do you not remember 20 seconds of being in the angle lock? Will he tap? Will he tap? Will it draw it? Will the title change? Won't it? Yes, he's going to. No, he's not going to. Yes, he's going to. No, he's not going to. We didn't have a, oh, he's going to climb to the next rung. Will he climb to the next rung? Will he climb to the next rung? Your match is just a standard TLC match. It's great because it was on SmackDown, but that's all that differentiates it. And your match is like a football match. 
1-0, oh, the equaliser. Spoken oh, like a true Tottenham next... fan. All right. And I just want to say, Christian said at that time, it was one of his, probably his best TLC matches. All right, I think I'm going to, uh, I'm going to call it in there and intervene. This one, from my point of view, is very, very difficult to judge. Both very strong arguments. Some uh, odd, odd angles to go for, like criticising the finish of a TLC match. Every, every ladder match ends the same. Like Every ladder match is the person who's going to win climbs the ladder slowly and then takes the belt down. And, and that, come on now, that takes about 20 seconds. Uh, but, I don't know, I think, even so, I think Mike's initial arguments were a bit stronger, talking about the history behind um, why the 60-minute Iron Man match was so significant. Um, so, even though it is very difficult to make a decision, I think I'm going to have to give the first point, the first fall to Mike um on on this one chen I, I i i agree that tlc match is one of the best smackdown matches no doubt of all time but mike went for one of the other best smackdown matches of all time so you know i'm not disagreeing with you and i just think um yeah that, that mike's arguments are a bit more convincing so uh moving on to question two uh what is the best oh my god smackdown moment that didn't include uh brock lesnar uh, oh yeah, I need to pick who has to go first. That's I said Mike go. Okay, yeah, Mike should. Yeah, because you went first last time. I'm good at hosting. Mike, you is, can go now. Sorry, is there a time limit to this? Um, I roughly yeah, about a minute. Oh, I, I was really hoping I could get three minutes, because at the point that Eric Bischoff's voice said three minutes at the wedding of Billy and Chuck was in my life, not just SmackDown, not just Raw, not just previews. Oh my God, Bishop is in, Bischoff is in the middle of that ring. He's been there for five, ten minutes talking, and I didn't know he was there. What a performance by Eric Bischoff. What a performance by the makeup department, who don't get enough credit for some of the things they do. But that moment, we knew it was going to have some strange ending with Billy and Chuck not actually getting married. But who would have thought that in the middle of that, the priest marrying them could be the main story? I just think that moment when he finally broke character and told us who he was and ripped off the face paint and ripped off the mask, I think everyone's eyes were wide. There can't be many people who were looking at that thing and that's Bischoff in disguise. No, that was that was the epitome of oh my god. Right, very convincing. I, I was one I couldn't remember the moment and then I remembered the rubber mask. That was yeah, pretty big moment. Cool. So Chen, let's hear from you. So that's interesting, Mike. That's Thank your you. favourite moment. Really? Okay. Yes. Alright. Alright. Uh, my favourite moment included Stone Cold Steve Austin and Booker T fighting in a supermarket. Do you not remember that epic showdown in the supermarket? Stone Cold beating the crap out of Booker T all over the supermarket. Throwing him through fridges. Pouring milk all over his face. Just giving him the middle finger. And Booker T took it like he took he took he took the beating so well. Like watching it from a performance for performance eyes, the way Booker T just sold the beating and everything, like that was such a great moment. Cause there was like a long you know I remember Booker T was the one who screwed Austin of becoming the undis first ever undisputed champion, and Austin spent like almost a month 
chasing after Booker T and when he finally got him it was in the supermarket beating the crap out of him and I remember reading that Vince McMahon apparently paid 100k for the supermarket damages I the way they fought I expected a bigger damage bill well, I didn't know that. 100k for that smashed up supermarket. That's an interesting fact. So, uh, now have a big argument, please. Do you actually know the difference between moment and segment here? Because at which point did you say, oh my god, was it when the milk went flying or when he beeped him across the checkout? I, I have an actual moment where he says three minutes that I say, oh my god. Did you say, oh my god, halfway through, at the end, when you saw the supermarket bill? I mean, wh- what was the oh my god moment here? <laughs> listen, listen. What is your oh my god moment? Just one catchphrase. No one remembers the storyline. No one remembers you... the actual matches. Of course they All do. Right. It's a famous... It's, right. the, it's, the, it's the first ever gay oh. relationship marriage storyline. And he says, you know, marriages should last five years, What was years, the manager's name? Years. What was Billy and Chuck's manager's name? Rico. It has very little to do with my actual moment. Stop trying to stop trying to deflect here. This is the ultimate deflection. I'm just trying to see how much you remember. Well, there you go. It was Rico. They, you know. What do Eric Bischoff's mask look like? It was made of. Well, he looked like a 110-year-old priest with a squeaky voice. We wondered where he'd gone from. Did they get him from priests or us just down the road? And, you know, he's he's actually telling them, you, you shouldn't be going through with this fake wedding. Wedding should last 10 years, 20 years, 50 years, or maybe three minutes. Oh, my God. A lot better than some spilt milk. Your it's turn. funny. If, I, if, if we were to do a poll right now, okay... Yeah. Which one? Which moment do people remember more? The supermarket beating or your three-minute wedding? Did that we was just so late. The question here was: it the okay. most memorable segment in SmackDown history from the last nine years, or was it the most "Oh my god"? Do you understand "Oh my god" yeah, moment? Yeah, and that was moment. an "Oh my god" moment. That what was, was the moment? moment? Okay. The con is that Austin did to book a tea in the supermarket. That's not a moment. Okay. That's an occasion, a segment. It still doesn't stand up. Right. But you've, mi- well, you've misunderstood said... the question. No, listen. If you're going to say a moment, right? I get it. Oh, my God. What was it? Wait a minute. Oh did I God. say three minutes, right? If I can understand if the catchphrase became epic and it was all often news. Like, for example, no, you're Like wrong. a tag team called three-minute warning. Shut, be... shut your mouth. But no one ever in WWE quotes the three-minute warning rule or whatever. It became your a tag fr- team. Okay. <laughs> that was no, their, that was imminently their debut within a week or two. They were fir- uh-huh. starting to be known as three-minute warning. This was the first ever use of giving a three-minute warning. No one remembers these that, that oh-my-God moment, okay? You never hear anyone going, oh, Sam, remember when we watched that SmackDown episode when there was a, almost a gay wedding? There's been tons of other weddings. If anyone's going to talk about a wedding in WWE, it's the Triple H getting Stephanie drunk and stealing her away from Tess. But you didn't use that as okay. your oh-my-God moment. All right. Yeah, because that's not an oh my god moment. These weddings are not oh my god moments, okay? So you're going with... I, right. I believe... I think you're crying over spilled milk. Alright. Listen. Alright. Alright. When Your weddings are never memorable, okay? If anything's more memorable in the smack... In wrestling, for example, weddings, even Eddie Guerrero and Edge's wedding when to, to, Triple H tra- crashed it. But listen, quote... my moment was so epic, alright? 
Because... Because of the beating. If you go on YouTube right now, we can check the views. Oh, supermarket. <laughs> Probably millions and millions. Oh, wait, there's not even a video uploaded of the three-minute warning beating to Billion Chuck on uh, YouTube. Again, okay. you're quoting things that are totally untrue. <laughs> all right, all right. <clears throat> I think I've heard enough now. Uh, this has been uh, a, a particularly brutal round, I think. Uh, Mike, I especially enjoyed your use of the line "You're just getting excited over spilt milk" <laughs> relating to the uh, to that that famous supermarket fight. Uh, I did also enjoy the fact that it kind of turned into a bit of an argument about how long a moment is, which is a, a fair thing. How long is a moment? Is the Undertaker's entrance a moment? That's about ten minutes, isn't it? Um, so you know, it, it's it's a, a difficult one, but. I feel like in this, I've got to go with Chen. I think his argument about how nobody remembers that storyline is probably not that unfounded. While it was significant at the time, you know, it, 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 it's it's a fair point that um, nobody kind of quotes three minutes at the moment anymore or, or anything like that. So the second point I'm going to give to Chen. Uh, which leaves us at one all at this uh, kind of almost halfway point. You can't ask half a question, so this is halfway. I feel like so, the Tyson Holyfield judging system has descended on this podcast. I uh, I don't know what that means. Is it is that? A... <laughs> I'm googling him now. Is he uh, a box? Oh, he's a boxer man. Oh, oh no, it's two people. Coming... <laughs> oh, is this the one? Didn't he bite his ear off or something? That, yeah. that's, that's another storyline totally that, that was an oh my god moment oh okay <laughs> rather than an oh my god segment or... <laughs> yes or, or a, oh my god milk spilling an oh my god shopping trip Yes. Um, so anyway moving on to the next question uh, using the roster available at the time book the first ever Smackdown main event and I've actually got a list of the roster here so I will be checking which means uh, Chen we cannot have X-Pac versus Kenny Omega because uh, he was a baby then uh, so as you went first last time Chen I'm going to hand it over to Mike now okay so the uh, at the time Smackdown was was a new show it needed to be something a little bit different from raw but it, it needed to follow on the same storylines because it it wasn't uh it wasn't a split like it is these days what happened on raw then continued to smackdown then continued to raw so i think using the wrestlers available at the time the storylines available at the time they should have just slightly tweaked what they did and went with rock versus mankind and the reason I'm going for that is I think what they're attempting to do with the first ever SmackDown is really push it as a new show and use the word SmackDown as much as possible. And I can't think of many more ways of using a word, especially in a match, than having Rock in that match with his notorious use of microphones. So I've got him, you know, laying the SmackDown on Mankind while talking about what he's doing into a microphone. SmackDown, 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 using it. And eventually, you know... Having hit the people's elbow, a rock bottom through the table, leaning down with the microphone and saying to Mankind, what is the name of this show? And Mankind finally goes to say the name and it doesn't matter what the name of this show is. I am the rock. I just think that would be perfect. It would it would continue the storylines, but it would just make Smackdown a little bit different, a little bit more fun, a little bit more, you know, like, like what it ended up be- becoming. A little bit different for different wrestling fans. All right, cool. Well, yeah, you can't beat a decent catchphrase, but uh, let's hear from Chen. Uh, what's your idea about the first ever SmackDown main event? 
I've got The Rock versus yep. Triple H and Shawn Michaels. Now, you can argue that the first ever SmackDown did include was pretty much Triple H versus The Rock, right? And HBK was the special referee. But I'm bringing real life situation into this. It was always noted that The Rock and HBK pretty much stayed away from each other because one, The Rock, there's that story of HBK treating like The Rock's mother like shit at one time, at an event. And also The Rock wanted to stay away from HBK because HBK was, oh this guy's getting hot, I want to bury him kind of thing. And The Rock refused to work with Shawn Michaels, especially when he was pretty much red hot in the company right now. So he always avoided HBK. But, and we sadly never even got to see a match with them two in the first place. And I thought for the first ever SmackDown main event, it should be them two. But with Triple H in Michael's corner as well. So you, it would be a handicap match then? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right, cool. Uh, well, then let's hear you argue about it. Tear each other apart. Sorry, what did you say the first main event of SmackDown ever was? I don't know. <laughs> Why don't you I'm, Google it for me? I'm, I'm pretty sure you just said it was Triple H versus The Rock. <laughs> well, what is and, it? And, and instead you've said it should be a handicap match. Is that correct? What is it? What was well, it? Well, it's actually Stone Cold Steve Austin and The Rock versus The Corporate Ministry, which was a handicap match. So, well done for quoting what happened in real life. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> my, my memory's a bit fa- hazy. I guess I've been taking blood drugs. <laughs> you have. But, but... I still stand by that at that time, it, sh- it by my match, it would be way more interesting. Yeah, Mankind and The Rock, you just want to set up a match just so The Rock can say another catchphrase. Like, come on, man, what is it with you, these catchphrases? All right. Well, you do understand where SmackDown came from. You know, it is a catchphrase. Yeah, it came from, yeah, it came from The Rock, but no yeah. one, it's not like everyone, every week, everyone yeah. says The Rock SmackDown catchphrase at, or whatever. At the time, I think they were, and... And again, you say to set up a storyline. Do you know when the first SmackDown happened? Wasn't it 99? Yeah, do you remember the month? No. It, it was April, which means three months prior to that, you've got The Rock going absolutely crazy in a match with a steel chair and him 15 times over the head. This isn't a new story. This is a continuation of a story. It may have slightly halted for WrestleMania so you could have The Rock Austin, but Mankind never went away. He never forgot that. I think that, that gives the right edge of legitimacy to a Smackdown main event, it's real, there's feeling it, but it gives you the element of advertising where they can use that name and it actually works. The Rock was notorious for using microphones in his matches and that would be a perfect way to use Smackdown, Smackdown, Smackdown get it into their head. Yeah, that's great, but also DX were hot at the time and on paper what would people rather see? The Rock versus Mankind or The Rock versus HBK and, and Triple H? Do, do you think HBK was actually available on the roster at that time? No, but he was involved in the storylines. And at the same time, he he didn't have to actually wrestle, even if he was carrying his back injury. He could have just tagged in here and then did like cheap shots and did a super kick. It would be mostly Triple H wrestling. But I'm bringing the real-life heat between those two into this situation. They could have brought it up in the story, like The Rock saying... I've always wanted to kick your ass ever since I was a kid because I've seen the way you disrespect my mother at an event. 
And I know you've been dying to get rid of me and end my push because you just can't hate it that someone else is about to take your spotlight. Yeah, I think what you've got here is an episode of Raw and then you've got your one-off match that doesn't follow anything and doesn't lead to anything and then back to Raw. you got to remember in those days it wasn't a brand split. It was one leads to the other, leads to the other. So you can't just have this one-off. Shawn Michaels comes in, remembers something The Rock said about his mother, which I don't but we're talking about we're talking about a season premiere. Okay. Yeah. And what? Uh, All right. Where Where does that then go? What What's your future? But we're talking about how we would become main event. You're yeah. You're probably thinking about long term programming, but I'm just thinking for this main event. What will open up with a bang? So you're doing a Russo, and I'm doing a McMahon. But does the McMahon storyline always pay off? At least there's a storyline in place. Right. You, you got to remember, Russo, Russo, Russo was part of WCW, right? When it was beating Smack, uh, beating WWE 83 weeks or whatever. He was for the last 16 weeks of that. I'm not sure what that point is. In fact, you could say he was part of the downturn when they stopped winning. I'm your, just your, yours, is a, yours is a Russo storyline. It's a one-off. Let's get somebody involved just so we can, just to give the, you know, the, it's the wow factor, the shock factor. Nobody saw that coming, but it's not going to lead anywhere. We're actually going to pretend it never happened. Do you really it's... think, though, do you really think, let's be honest, your storyline was going on for three months. My storyline would lead to somewhere. I could have had, it could lead up to The Rock versus Triple H, The Rock versus HBK in the end. It would have been good to have something that leads up to the Rock Triple H, I've got to admit. Oh, sorry, it did. Um, no, I, th- I think mine... Exactly. My, my, exactly. Mine is, uh, you my, just shot yourself is... in the foot. <laughs> All right. that, that was called sarcasm, Chad. All right. <laughs> you know, to, you you know the next suicide. year, 2000 was okay. dominated with that committed... very main event. Yeah, exactly. You just committed suicide. Okay. <laughs> Uh, all right, I, I think with that explosive ending, I'm I'm going to call that little debate to a finish there. Uh, that was uh, quite kind of interesting little conversation there. Both very different approaches to uh, the same thing. As as Mike pointed out, Rus- it, it was very much kind of a, a Russo-esque argument versus a, a McMahon-esque argument. And uh, having heard it out, I'm afraid while it was neck and neck for a bit, Mike definitely did not shoot himself at the end instead he pretended to shoot himself but actually jerked his head back at the last second and chen you are the one who was put in the ground during this question so i've got to give it to mike that was a, a strong a strong I'm, whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm so he, glad you got the sarcasm there Sam. Oh, Thank he, you. he he just admitted the next year the feud was the rock and triple H. That's the dominating. point. You you said that your idea would be the only way to lead to the rock versus triple H, and I pointed out that they got there regardless. Yeah, so I was in line booking my main event <laughs> in line with that. <laughs> All right. I mean, I I get what you mean about booking a main event or whatever, but you're kind of you're sounding a bit like an indie kind of booker when you say stuff like that. You know, it's the main event is not just a one-off, so. I had to go with Mike. Also, he had the brand in mind, mate. You've always got to be thinking about the brand. You've always got to be upsetting. What's better for business, Chen? Exactly. You've got, and if that means saying the word SmackDown 250 times per episode, then fucking SmackDown, you'll say it's SmackDown. Um, so, anyway, moving on to that and saying SmackDown a few more times because we haven't said SmackDown enough this episode, SmackDown. Uh, who was the best SmackDown general manager, SmackDown? Uh, and that will start with, because uh, I've got to pick that, uh, Chen. 
keep in mind, I didn't stop watching wrestling for a while. So, obviously, I'm only judging from the managers that I saw at the time. The general manager. And I gotta say, it's Paul Heyman. The reason I say Paul Heyman is because everything was so interesting at the time. Because obviously, he had the... He had Brock Lesnar, the angle with Brock Lesnar, team angle, big show versus Kurt Angle. And then the flip side, how he joined Kurt Angle. He also had the crazy Survivor Series match that he put together of the 5 and 5. Of Benoit, Hardcore Holly, John Cena. Oh, my mind just went blank just a minute, but I will get it will come back to me. And also, he was very important setting up an amazing Royal Rumble storyline with Benoit. Telling him that Benoit had to be number one into a match. Benoit had to be at number one in the Royal Rumble. And which eventually led to Benoit defecting to Raw. But, But he was so heelish at the time. And you also had under Heyman, John Cena debut. With worse so when John Cena pretty much started kicking off his ruthless aggression era. Cool. All right. Well, uh, that that's a lot of good points well made there, Chen. Uh, but now it's Mike's turn. Mike, who was the best SmackDown general manager? Yeah, I've probably gone with the obvious answer, but the the best manager is the person who makes the most profit and the most long term contribution to the business that he's actually managing, and there can be nobody else than Teddy Long. Um, Tay Long is, as his name might suggest, the longest-serving general manager, which got to speak for itself. Um, but he also had something unique in that he was an on-air general manager. And at the time, you go imagine we'd gone through the whole Vince McMahon, we'd had the Paul Heyman, we've had all the Stephanies, the Shanes, all the people in power abusing the power. Suddenly, for a very long time, we had a baby-faced general manager. And that made a lot more storylines and a lot more angles possible than had been before. All right. Again, very convincing and and a strong pick. So uh, let's hear it then. Uh, Have a go at each other, please. So, Mike, hold up. You said, just, I don't understand. Teddy Long was the most profitable. What do you mean by that? As in, even now we're seeing the highlights of what Teddy Long did. And you've said a few times on this episode, nobody's saying that this stage. I think people are still saying tag team match and, you know, doing his little dance and referencing things that he used to do. Whereas with Paul Heyman, you've got to admit, your mind went blank, which is kind of what Paul Heyman as general manager was. It was good at the time. It was like Paul Heyman, the ECW innovator, is now the general manager. But other than a couple of little storylines, there's nothing much to remember. He didn't give a long lasting legacy. He's actually doing a better job this time, and he's not even an on-air manager. I think, you know, the, the tag team match, the holler, the the long-term babyface always siding, trying to make the right decision, which eventually, as all ha- always happens in wrestling, you did get the heel turn. And it, it was a heel turn that, after so long, actually meant something. That's interesting, but all I remember was Heyman was also a great heel character at the time which WWE kind of needed because not only was Heyman a force but he also made a great force with Vince McMahon I remember them two were going against people like Brock Lesnar, The Undertaker I remember it was because of Heyman's screw up that he had 
Vince McMahon ended up having a match with The Undertaker, a Buried Alive match. Um, also, I've always said talent flourished under that time, and people always said that was the best SmackDown period ever, including the future, the, the future six, I think the nickname was, with Eddie, Benoit, Jericho, Edge, um, Rey Mysterio. Also, ratings-wise, SmackDown was kicking Raw's butt, in my opinion. And they always had, SmackDown at that period, had the better storylines than Raw. And Raw was always considered the A show, but SmackDown the B show was always winning at that time. Well, i got to say, in terms of new talent, um, Tay Long actually started what was known as the New Talent Initiative, where you know new people would come to SmackDown and show what they did. I think he has his equal share of top storylines. You, you you mentioned Undertaker and Vince because of the screw Paul did. Um, Tay Long was the person who actually overturned a No Way Out match and put Ray in the main event of WrestleMania, which was quite a big thing at the time. He's also a two-time GM. I think he kind of equals Paul on everything he did, but had a longer reign at the top, and that makes him the better GM. You know, you, you can't stay that long at the top without being good at what you do. He was very good. He was very different. He didn't have the wrestling personality background that Paul Heyman did, and yet he managed to overcome that and become a fan favourite. I don't know. In my opinion, for example, you talked about the Rey Mysterio incident. Didn't he just let Rey Mysterio walk into the to the main event after he lost the number one contendership to Randy Orton? That's he, not great storytelling. He didn't let him. Okay. He, he, he did also, what... It's like okay. you said, it's like you said, Heyman does not have the wrestling back, um, Teddy Long does not have the wrestling background, you could say, whereas Heyman does, he understands the wrestlers, he understands the character, he knows how to bring the best out of them. Okay. And that's why I think talent flourished under him a lot more, especially the blue brand. All right, I guess I'll uh, I'll step in there unless you had any any parting shots, Mike. Plenty, but I don't want to use them all too early. All right, fair, fair. Yeah, I, fair. I would like to say actually very quickly that Teddy Long was the general manager during, holla, holla, the, best, holla. during the best <laughs> oh my god incident in SmackDown history, which was the three minute warning unveilment. <laughs> very similar period uh, so again this was uh, a very a difficult round to judge you, you both made some very convincing arguments uh, for two extremely powerful um, uh, general managers throughout Smackdown's history on the one hand obviously Paul Heyman is undeniably a legend and Chen I think what you said put across that that he is uh, you know legendary figure in the wrestling world however I think Mike's arguments that Teddy Long was the greatest SmackDown general manager were slightly stronger. Uh, I think Mike focused in a bit closer on the fact that it was a, who is the best SmackDown general manager, not who is the best wrestling figure of all time. And so, uh, yeah, for that reason, I've, I've got to go with him. I mean, also... Uh, his point at the beginning about how people are still saying holla holla. I didn't even watch during that time, and I know that reference. You know that's that's how powerful Teddy Long was. So it's got to go to him. Uh, so yeah, that, that's that's. I'm sure the listeners would disagree. Uh, maybe they will, but they're not judging this, are they? So fuck them. <laughs> Uh, so question. No, 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 no. I'm I'm supposed to be the baby face. Um, 
yeah, okay. Well, I can't pull that one back. Um, so anyway, we're now on to question five. Uh, it's 3-1. So Chen, uh, you need to argue pretty strong for a chance of staying in the game. Uh, otherwise, I think you might be mathematically eliminated. No, you, you could pull it back if you want every round on the speed round after losing this. So we'll... Uh, we'll no, you couldn't. Yeah, so if Mike takes this one, it's for it's for the victory. I'm not very good at mental maths, especially not when I'm talking at the same time. I still so anyway. think you've got it wrong. Uh, I think if on... I if I win, it goes to four one, and if Chen wins all three, it goes to four four. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's true. So yeah, I do still have it wrong. It's hard. Look, you you weren't trying to talk and do maths at the same time, and that's hard. Anyone would agree. Uh, so anyway, <laughs> moving on. Question five. What? was the best storyline in SmackDown history. Uh, Mike, I think it's your turn to go first this time, isn't it? It, the... it is. And my storyline all revolves around one guy. I'm a big fan, and I think in SmackDown history, he's one of the more prolific characters. And to quote the line that I'll use quite a lot through this storyline, I think you know the guy, and the storyline is when Mankind was continuously being beat up by Triple H... And he turned into Cactus Jack. That metamorphosis on the way to the ring. He opens up the shirt and that line. I think you know the guy. And what makes the storyline so complete is a little snigger or a little smug smile by Triple H would have buried it immediately. But Triple H sold it like a dead man had just walked to the ring. And I don't mean The Undertaker. He was terrified. He stepped back. He didn't know what to do. As mankind staggers out. But Cactus Jack hits the ring. What a storyline. What it led to. It led to the Royal Rumble. It led to Hell in a Cell. It led to the dream match at WrestleMania. We got three, four months worth of storyline out of I think you know the guy. What a line and what a moment. All right. That was very convincing. Uh, so, Chen, uh, let's hear from you. What was the best storyline in SmackDown history? I'm just... It's different to what Mike is going to say. Mine involves two people. Hulk Hogan and Vince McMahon. And I'm talking about the storyline when when they were both on the blue brand. Um, on the road to WrestleMania 19 and they were going to face each other. And they used real life situations into the storyline where Vince said... "Oh." Hulk Hogan was saying, you did not create Hulkamaniac. Uh, Hulkamania, I did, along with these fans. And Hulk Vince is like, no, I'm the one who p pretty much gave you everything that you wanted. And then you screwed me over by leaving for go by joining Ted Turner. And what's even worse is you came and testified against me in the steroid trial. I thought that was real life... Um, the fact that they brought a real life situation that was very big at the time because let's be let's face it, Hulk Hogan joining a rival company was seen as a betrayal at that time in wrestling you could say because we all know that Vince gave everything to Hogan, he he gave into Hogan's political demands and everything. He kept Hogan was a long time reigning champion and yet to for all the things that Vince did for Hogan, Hogan stabbed him in the back and joined WCW. 
All right, again, uh, another strong storyline from SmackDown history. So uh, let's hear why you think the other person's answer was a bad answer. I don't think it's I don't think it's necessarily a bad answer. I think in terms of storylines, it was very good and the way they did it. But it was it was basically a rehash of what had happened before and what had happened again. It was two people, one who believes he's more important and more prolific than the other and obviously the other one disagrees i think with with mine with the transition between characters with the and 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 i don't think either of your characters were at their best during that um that story i think hogan was past his prime i think trip um vince was doing it just because he could I think he always wanted that build up to WrestleMania with somebody. He had did the same with Flair. He did the same with Hart. He did the same with McMahon. Um, mine was a, a unique. It's never been done before or again. That whole transition. You'll keep beating me, so I'll change to somebody else. It was. It could only happen that time, and it was done perfectly. That whole moment <clears throat> was done perfectly. Listen, just because you change costumes doesn't make you become a stronger person. But it did. But it did. Mine was a real life situation that, you know, that involved real life lawsuits, millions of dollars being lost. You know, you're talking about Vince McMahon losing his franchise player to a rival company. The foundation of WWE at the time, you could have said. This was a real life situation. And this big match, yeah, you could say the wrestlers weren't. At their best, but everyone was intrigued. Everyone was involved in the storyline. It, it was a WrestleMania m- match, but you know, because it was such a big thing, and I think it was fitting they had this match at WrestleMania because Hogan and Victor Man helped create WrestleMania together. One could have been it, WrestleMania wouldn't exist if if they didn't have both of them together working together. I tell you and what, this, and this storyline had to end at a WrestleMania. I tell you what, eighteen I don't years like, later. I tell you what, I don't like about your story. I'm not sure you can say something you dislike about mine, but the steroid trial. I've never bring, watched to bring, match. To bring it up after all of this time and to use it as part of a storyline, it was about whether Vince was making his wrestlers take steroids just so they could have jobs with him. It was something a little bit touching, and I think with what we know now, steroids is not something to be joking about and bringing into a story. I think with what we know now, they wouldn't have gone with that storyline at the first place. And I think referencing a 15-year-old trial that basically said Vince McMahon is an unfair, illegal employee, and he got away with technicalities, I don't think should have been brought back 15 years later, to be honest. Okay, but um, so you're at that time, you think... The whole talk of steroids was taboo. I think it shouldn't have been used in such a frivolous storyline. There was almost humour in the background what? of the Hogan Vince with the whole Mr. America, and you know there was quite a humour side to it. And Vince was his most over the top, and it was basically mocking the fact that he got away with the steroids. And at, at yeah, the time, he was obviously what? guilty. The fact that it couldn't be proved, what? we what? we as wrestling fans know it was guilty. Whereas mine is a is a good to honest storyline using characters instead of real life. It's meant to be characters. But sometimes the storyline is so much better when you break the four, when you break kayfabe. I think we can all agree to that. 
it can be, but I think you've got to be careful what you do. And this was something that people were still being affected to that to this day from that trial and from what led to that trial. I don't think that should have ever been brought up again. But what kind of beauty did mankind get or test jack get? Sorry, because I wasn't much. I don't remember this. What type of beauty? Was it chair shots? Before or after? Well, what were they? What, the, what type the, of beating did he get? Like that made him transform. He was constantly being outnumbered by Triple H and the McMahon Helmsley faction, and therefore he couldn't, as mankind, live up. So he had to turn to Cactus Jack, who could take it to that little next level. And they went on to have their match at Royal Rumble 2000, which is clearly classed as one of the best matches of all time. Couldn't have happened without that angle. And like I said, Triple H could have ended that angle just by being a little bit less scared. But the, if you go back and you see Mankind doing this amazing performance, just that one shot of Triple H looking terrified really made the whole thing. No, I... Because, I, you know, like, to me, I just seen, like... Wasn't it Triple H giving, like, chair shots to Mankind? Uh, I really say you're working Triple H and chair shots into this so you can bring it back to steroids and concussion and stuff. Um, so let's just throw <laughs> exactly. that little attack out it's, the window, It's Shane. a forever subject. It's <laughs> yeah, a forever <laughs> subject. Yeah. Whereas mine also, you got to remember, when Hogan went to WCW, it created a big-time impact. He joined the MWO. He was also part... One, he was also one of the main wrestlers that was making WCW beat WWE in the ratings when, for When Hogan weeks. went to WCW, he wrestled as a face for three years before the NWO was ever mentioned. Yeah, Please but stop he making helped, up these facts and statistics, but, Jen. But, but he helped. It was one of the main players going to a rival. And he was helping that rival destroy the other comp- the company that he and, started in. And this is why your storyline 13 years later is better than mine. Oh, all yeah. right. Oh, I, I think I've heard enough now. Uh, it, it's been a pretty, a pretty uh, eloquent round of arguments this time round. Uh, both very strong. Both extremely exciting memories in SmackDown history as well. Um, I think, Chen, you came so close... With Wait, the... hold up, hold up. Exactly, <laughs> SmackDown history. Mine was exclusive to SmackDown. His one travelled to both shows. Mine one happened on SmackDown. All right, okay. look, listen. With, with the, the time for arguments is over. The time for me to judge you now on arbitrary conditions is is here. And I'm saying, where you fell down, I'm, I'm going to give this point to Mike. I'll just say that right now. And I think the reason I'm going to do that is because when Mike started talking about how steroids were bad and the steroid trial was... You know, an awful thing that shouldn't be brought into wrestling. You should have gone for the throat, Chen, about all the chair shots to the head that Mick Foley took. And that brutal Hell in a Cell match at um, Royal Rumble. Not Hell in a Cell. Well, that match too. But the the street fight match at Royal Rumble 99 where he nearly killed himself. Like, we now know as well that those matches are not okay. But... I, I, I don't think you, you went in hard enough. Even though you say you don't remember the storyline, it's a Cactus Jack match. That means he got hit in the head with stuff a lot. Um, so I think if you, you could have taken it, if you'd gone for that, that throw a bit harder. But unfortunately, as I say, uh, Mike gets it. So that leaves us going into the break before the speed round with Mike on four points and Chen on one. Chen, you need to win every round in the speed round in order to get through to the tie break for a chance at winning. Uh, how do you feel going into the uh, into the break? I feel like if Brod was in 
the judge things will be different. You, I, okay. I I agree. Just remember, God, if, if just Rod remember, was the judge, I would be five nil up. I've got just to say. remember, just remember, Sam. I never talked shit about you once as well. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> this, I I I I'm an honest and honourable judge. Chen, and so bribery will get you nowhere. And but maybe during the adverts, if we have a little chat, we can come to some kind of arrangement. <laughs> hey you! If you like the podcast, then remember to like the Holy Shoe Wrestling Podcast on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Holy Shoe Pod. Do it! Do it now! Uh, welcome back after the break uh, from that excellent ident that I, I can't remember what I put in there, but I'm sure it was great and you should do what it says. Uh, I realised uh, I forgot to ask Mike, uh, how are you feeling uh, going into the second, into the speed round? I'm feeling relatively confident. I don't think in the history of the show somebody has lost a three point lead going into the speed round. Um I'm kind of wishing I made notes on the final three questions now, to be honest, just to clear it up. But if Chen comes back and wins, he clearly deserves it. So bring it on. All right. Well, we'll see if Ken, uh, if, if, if Chen is going to rip off his white shirt this to reveal. Ken, yeah. No, we'll see if Chen is going to rip off his white shirt to reveal, uh, what was it, like a tartan shirt that Cactus Jack <laughs> used to wear underneath to become Cactus Chen. Perhaps this is his moment. Uh, so, going into question one, remember the speed round is whoever calls out first the answer that they want, that's the one they get to do. Uh, everyone gets, uh, let's say, 30 seconds to make an argument, uh, and then we'll give you a, yeah, a bit of time to argue as well. I just remembered I'm not supposed to say how long everyone gets, but uh, I've done it now, so the secret's out, everyone. We've, we've parted the command. <gasps> so anyway, question one. Should any Hell in a Cell match involve going up onto the roof of the cell anymore? Yes. Okay, so you both said yes, and it both came through at the same time for me. Uh, yes. So uh, I'm going to Google coin flip. Uh, let's go with uh, heads. It's Mike, tails. It's Chen. It's tails. So Chen, you can have yes, and Mike, you can have no. Um, I can't remember who went first last time. So as Chen won the coin toss, Mike, you can go first. You've got 30 seconds. Why should not any matches go up to the roof of the Helen Cell anymore? Look, they've gone up to the cell. They've come off the cell. They've gone through the cell. They've made the cell bigger. They've come off the cell. They've come off the cell again. There's nothing much more spectacular they can do. And quite frankly, it's dangerous up there. At some point, something might go wrong. They will go through the cell when they're not meant to. And that is not what WWE or wrestling as a whole needs right now, is a death with somebody coming off that cell when they're not meant to. Let's keep it in the ring. It's meant to be a cage. Let's use it as a cage. Cool. All right. Uh, Chen, let's hear from you then. Why why should all matches go up to the roof of the cell? No, not all of them. But yeah, let's let's hear. Yes, your answer is go. Because you're taking creativity away from the wrestlers if you're just confining them within the ring. What's the point putting them in a cage if they can't get out of the cage, run around, climb up the roof, climb up the arena, and also Hell in a Cell was made famous because people can go anywhere and climb up the cage. Mike's favourite wrestler, Cactus Jack, got thrown off the cage. And you're talking about safety. No one's ever been damaged or anything like that. If they, if it was a dangerous thing, they would WWE would have banned the the stipulation match by now. All but right. they made it a pay per view. Okay, cool. 
Uh, so, uh, tear each other apart. You've got uh, le- yeah, a little bit of time. Go. I, lo- I love the fact Chen's just said that it's not dangerous, because if it was, they would have stopped it. I think it was clearly dangerous. You know, a busted liver or a broken jaw or two missing teeth shows that it's dangerous. I just think, can we yeah. really focus on the second word? It's in. Hell in a cell. Let's start keeping it in and start making the cell. Maybe we can make the cell stronger so it's harder to get out or more impossible to get out and make it what it was originally supposed to be. It's supposed to be something they can't get out, no one can get in. Listen, all the mo- majority of the Hell in Cell matches that have been confined in within the ring have been so boring. It, it, the ones that are so exciting are the ones that can go out of the ring, can fight amongst the crowd can use the announcer's table can climb up the t- climb up the hell and then it's just the antipos- anticipation of all oh, would this move make the other wrestler go through the through the cell roof i think we should go back to the time where hell in a cell is used to finish a storyline and it should be when nothing else can contain them we have to bring in this unescapable cell let's move away a little bit from the past and make it a final to a storyline Everything else we've tried, let's put them in this cell and let them finish it in a cell, which is one of the four words. All right, I think that's enough now. Uh, both, again, very strong arguments. Um, this is a, a difficult one. Um, but, I, oh, I've got to go with Mike. I've got to go with Mike. The Fuck. Yes. I have to because I, no. I feel like Chen, your your response to uh, your argument was it didn't focus on specifically the roof of the cell. It, even if they don't go up to the roof, there's no reason why they couldn't go through the walls or make use of the announce table. But yeah, that that was the question, and your argument, while it was strong, and I I actually agree that you're kind of taking creativity away from the wrestlers, even though I kind of also agree a little bit with Mike that going up on the roof of the cell is a bit unnecessary. Yeah. Um, it, and now it, that it, the point's given, I totally agree with Chen. I had to do that totally on the fly there. <laughs> <laughs> but Mike's argument was, was very, very convincing. Um, yeah, where do you go once someone's fallen off the roof of a cell? Um, Make the cell so, bigger. Uh, I think what happens now... Do we, I guess we keep going and see if Chen can come back for some Wait, consolation points. Yeah, because when, when Tottenham were five goals down last night, they didn't blow the final whistle. Yeah, that's true. Um, but football has a definite... It's not like wrestling where when someone's been pinned for a three count, you don't just carry on. I guess this will be like when Big E was pinning people for five. This is like you know? the Iron Man match, which is actually the best match in SmackDown history. So let's... <laughs> Nice, very good callback. Well, well done. Um, so let's move on to question two of the speed round. This one's for Honor Chen. Um, uh, oh yeah, I should read the question. Uh, so without the Undertaker, does Hell in a Cell have the same magic that it used to? No. What, what, so are you happy to? Uh, you you just going with yes then, Chen? Yes, it does have the same magic. Uh yeah. <laughs> okay, okay. Um, Right, uh, so I think you get to go first then. Chen, off you go. Times move on. Undertaker needs to retire. So other people need to step up and will step up and use the cell in a creative way. Yes, the Undertaker made it famous. Yes, you can also say Shawn Michaels made it famous and and, uh, Mick Foley made it famous and Kane made it famous. But other wrestlers haven't had 
I would say in my opinion haven't had the same amount of freedom to do great creative matches in the cell like those wrestlers had. I mean Brock Lesnar also has had a great match in the in the cell before. But eventually people will have better matches and everything like that. And I can imagine the women the women having great matches in the hell in the cell. Undertaker's gimmick is gone now. It's time to move on people. Okay. Uh, and Mike, uh, without the Undertaker, does Hell in a Cell have the same magic that it used to? I think the word here is magic. It was the magic around the Undertaker that made the match special. It was made specifically for him. Um, Hell, Undertaker, it, it goes together. And I think once he's gone, it's just a match inside a cage with a roof, really. Um, you, you listed wrestlers there who have gone on to be synonymous with Hell in a Cell. You said Kane, failing to see how that is possible. I don't really recall a Kane Hell in a Cell match. Um, I think Hell in a Cell and Taker went well together, and it would be fitting if they stopped it with his retirement and found something a bit more suitable for the other wrestlers to do. All right. Uh, so, with that in mind, uh, let's hear you have a big old fight about it. I mean, there's there's nobody who would hear Hell in a Cell not immediately think Undertaker. You may possibly also think Mankind, but... Either Chen's frozen here or he's very still. Um, Batista's, very still. Batista's had great matches in the Hell in the Cell. So has Triple H. There are, there, yeah, but it, Batista but and Triple H had a great match. But in it the wasn't cell. magical. There was nothing special about it. It was Undertaker. It was hell. It was you can still hell. It, yeah, oh, wow. A classical match. How many have them WWE had? But how many also great matches have WWE had in general? Not every match can be a five-star classic. But you can still have great matches. You can. I just think the very name of it, Hell in a Cell, Hell and Undertaker, goes together so much it, it means something. I mean, Undertaker, I believe, was in the first six Hell in a Cell matches. He has the best record after but, Triple yeah, H but inside not all, his matches. But not every Undertaker match in the Cell was amazing. Some of them have been rubbish. Such as? The one with Kane. You think Undertaker... The one with Shane McMahon. <laughs> that, was, that was an amazing match. No, that was rubbish. Oh, Just oh, one spot fest. Uh, will save the match. I, That's why they shouldn't be allowed to go on That's, top of the cell chain. This is supposed to be a speed round. Um, so, um, with with that in mind, I'm I'm calling the argument there. This is another difficult one, uh, but actually, I think I'm going to go with Chen this time. Uh, I think he made a very valid point that uh, Hell in a Cell is bigger than the Undertaker now. And so, uh, yeah, it, it, and, and some strong arguments there. Uh, so that's one, one for Chen. Chen, you could pull this back to only lose by one if you win the next point. What, how, how confident are you feeling? Or maybe actually, maybe I'll read the... No, I won't read the question. How confident are you feeling going into the last, uh, into the last question? My focus isn't on Mike, it's on you. I guess you barred from <laughs> judging. <laughs> right? Oh, well, you know, maybe uh, if you want to criticise me... Just maybe. to really throw the gauntlet down and make Sam a bit scared for our future inevitable matchup, for the final question, I'll just argue whatever Chen doesn't think and I'll win. Oh, yeah. oh, okay, the stakes are high, Chen. This is, this is Mike's equivalent of going for the one-foot pin on you. Um, so we'll see if this goes down. So, question three... What is the... Oh, no, hang on, that's not the question. We changed it. Uh, let's do a little cut there. It's not what's the worst Hell in a Cell match of all time. What was the question that we changed it to? 
I don't know. Who should win, Becky or Sasha? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, yeah. Um, so... Do, do, do. Okay, coming back in. So, question three. Given that we have the pay-per-view on Saturday, only three matches have been announced, and we're going to ask you to make a prediction about one of them. Who should win the women's Hell in a Cell match this Sunday at Hell in a Cell 2019? Becky Lynch or Sasha Banks? You get to call out which one you want to argue now. Which who wants which one? Chad. Is this? He's just Becky. Uh, Sasha. Okay. Okay. <laughs> All right. We've got the division then. I can't remember who went first last time. Uh, so let's go with. I'm flipping a coin again. Uh, it's Mike. Mike, you can go first this time. So uh, why should Becky Lynch win Hell in a Cell this weekend? It should be because you've got this rivalry where they hate each other and they need Hell in a Cell to actually fix something and they don't have to then go with the obvious where the heel finally gets the win. Becky, main event of WrestleMania, she won both titles. Yes, she lost one pretty quickly, but she's held it for this long. It makes her stronger and stronger every time she wins a whole feud. And to win at Hell in a Cell against a returning Sasha, who pretty much everyone going into it knows is going to win because she's probably written her contract and she cried and said, I'm not coming back unless you give me the title. What a shot it would be if Becky actually wins and continues this reign. All right. Strong, strong arguments. So, Chen, let's hear from you. Why should Sasha win on Sunday? Because... With Sasha, she came back. She's actually playing the character that we loved in NXT, the boss character, her heel character. And, you know, she's actually showing how talented she is on the mic, how this character fits her. Whereas Becky, the man gimmick is over. The hype is gone. No one cared about your bloody relationship with Seth Rollins. Keep it private, right? We just want to see you as a female wrestler, not not the lover or, or whatever it is you were playing at the time. Whereas Sasha, you're that fierce superstar who's come back. You want to take your throne. You're unhappy. You just want to kill everybody. And not only that, you you help Bailey give a resurgence in her career by turning her heel. All right, cool. So you've got sixty seconds ish. Tear each other apart. Chen is totally right. The crowd loves her. She's doing her gimmick brilliant. She's been the boss and everything. And she doesn't have the title. She doesn't need the title to do what she's doing right now. Becky is carrying that title. And we all know the longer a title reign goes, the more special it is when someone wins. Do we really want an obvious, she's come back, she's cried a little bit, she's going to give the title. Why don't we wait until we're not expecting it and have a title change? Not really, because then when when is the best time to lose the title? Are you going to say WrestleMania when it's so predictable? The best time to lose the title is when it's not predictable. Okay, and when is that going to be? You might as well just give it now, because eventually what? She won't be able... She, the man hype is gone. There's no point Becky carrying it for she's a year. She's still getting massively right? good I personally, I personally believe she she's, she's carrying it until the whole SmackDown premiere, and then it's a done deal. All right. We all want a fresh champion. I, I think I'm going to call it there. That was, uh, a, a, again, very solid arguments from, from both of you. It's a difficult match to predict, uh, but that's not what's important here. What's important is how strong your arguments are. And I feel like in this round, Chen actually did go, go a bit more aggressive there. He uh, had some strong points about Sasha Banks 
um, delivering the goods when he when she needs to. Uh, whereas Mike, I felt like uh, your arguments about Becky were fairly standard, um, and so I've got judges to, I've got on the him. defensive. Judges on the defensive. That's fine. I mean, <laughs> yeah, you, you've got to you got to pick your criteria and go with them. I'm calling. I'm making the decision now. The, Chen gets the third point. Uh, so that ends this episode of the the Holy Shoot Wrestling Challenge. Uh, we've ended here with Mike on four, four, five points, and Chen on three. Um, so it's been a very close match, but not really. Uh, so Chen, how do you feel? Again, uh, another another loss in the in the history of Chen. Listen, we all know I should have won today. For the, okay, I'm banning. I'm. I am gonna start a campaign to bar you from judging from now on. Okay, all right. This isn't. I, f- I feel like that. That's actually completely wrong because what you should be doing, Chen, is stepping your game up. What you actually should be doing. Go. Sorry, back. I only have three minutes, and my three minutes are up. Okay. <laughs> right. I think you should go back. Okay. Right. Listen to the episodes I'm on. And you'll hear a true skilled wrestling argument person making strong arguments. I I'd like to remind you I'm undefeated on this podcast. So if you want to step to me, then when's your you, match? You when's your next step. match? Next week. Well, it depends who's judging. But yeah, I'll be the judge. <laughs> can I? Can I? <laughs> can I just gonna... say? And I know I'm known as being sarcastic and not actually saying what I mean. But Sam, honestly. This is the first time you've hosted. I think you did a really amazing job. I think you sounded confident. I think you sounded professional. I think you should stick to hosting. I think, you know, actually coming on and arguing what you think is obviously not your forte. And I really think you should stick to what you're good at. Um, you know, that, this is just me being honest. I think you should take this as a compliment. You're really good at sitting there and passing judgment. You're just not good at giving judgment yourself. Mike, I don't know what podcast you've been listening to because it sure as fuck ain't this one. When I have been on this podcast, every single time I have come away with the win. I think that shows actually that I am the uh, I'm the undefeated champion on on, on this show. And Whereas yeah. remind, remind me, didn't you lose? Didn't you lose last week? Didn't you lose to Jason last week? It's very hard to win continuously when I'm so concentrating on putting you in your place, showing the world, showing our ten thousand listeners what a farce you are, what ridiculousness you come out with. I mean, Do you know, I, I, I don't know what our subject is going to be, but if, if it's WWE, you really don't have seem to have a clue of history. If it's Japan, I mean, other than watching the occasional G1 match on New Japan World, you don't seem to have a clue about what's going on there. I mean, that, what, what are you going to beat me at? Is it Impact? Is it is it British wrestling? I mean, what is your skill set here? I, mate, I'm the ultimate all-rounder. I've done episodes about... You're the where, ultimate something. Uh, yeah. Which have featured New Japan. I've done episodes which have been about WWE, and I've won them all. What you need to do is go back and listen to my episodes. Because when I listen to you on the podcast, do you know what I hear? I hear someone who makes all the same mistakes I've already made before, which shows to me that you don't study, whereas I do. So what you need to do is go back... Listen to my old episodes, hear the arguments I made and the way that I made them, go back to school, and then you can come to me and I'll teach you a proper lesson. Every time I I listen to you on podcast, when I wake up, I think, damn, I must try that one again. So uh, I think, you know, I've got to take control now as the host and we need to move it up. 
uh, move it on because otherwise we could be arguing like this for a while. Uh, listeners, if you want to hear this match, please let us know on social media. Uh, we're on Facebook as Holy Shoot Podcast. We are at Holy Shoot Pod on Twitter and on Instagram we are Holy Shoot Wrestling. Please follow us, please God, please follow us. Please just it'll give us so much meaning to our lives and and you know it'll make Brod stop hitting us and that you know it, it's just getting a bit tiring now. Um, so yeah, let us know when when you want to hear me and Mike duke it out, or if Chen's the judge next week, who you think my opponent should be, because uh, he's clearly going to be completely unbiased. Uh, and as Brad always says, I'm going to steal his catchphrase because I didn't think of one in advance. That's the bottom line because this pod said so.